This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. You're listening to Mind Over Money, a brand new financial wellbeing podcast. I'll be your host, Gemma Sherlock. You may know me from the mental health podcast, No Really, I'm Fine. Well, I'm back, but for something slightly different. We've teamed up with our friends at NatWest to explore how our finances can have a huge impact on our mental health. Money may seem like the number one concern, but our minds should be a priority. Remember, Mind Over Money. In this episode, I speak to Miles Hillier, who is Head of Digital Proposition Development at NatWest. We discuss what spending habits have been like during lockdown following the coronavirus pandemic. We also talk about the emergence of buy now, pay later services, which can be dangerous if not used correctly. I'm Head of uh, new customer proposition development for NatWest digital and technology business. And how long have you been with NatWest for? I've been with the bank for over 15 years, actually. Um, the last decade has been spent in our digital department. So you're looking at all the latest trends and, and everything for the bank in terms of spending and in particular the pandemic has done to people's spending over the past year, really. Yeah, that's right, Gemma. So my department looks at all new proposition development for our digital channels. So one of the things that we have developed over the last few years is more tools to help our customers in our digital channels, like our mobile app to manage their money and give more insight on where it's going. And of course, over the last 12 months, we've seen very, very dramatic changes in how people are spending their money because of the pandemic and the impact it's had on everyone's day-to-day lives. From your point of view and your team's point of view, then how has the pandemic impacted people's income? Well, I think it's probably not a surprise to say that some of our customers have been impacted more than others when it's come to the pandemic. So if you think about sectors which have perhaps been most hit where prior to 2020 the eating out and and leisure sectors travel entertainment all of those have been significantly impacted by various different lockdowns and closure measures so it's probably not a surprise therefore that customers who are working in those sectors have seen reduction in income about a quarter of the customers that we know work in leisure hospitalities and and, and some of those affected sectors have seen their income fall, which is about 1.2 million customers, so significant. But what I would say is that is not the full story because at the same time as us having seen, unfortunately, customers impacted by their businesses being affected by the pandemic, we've also seen customers starting to increase their savings balances at the same time. So people that perhaps have been less affected and not spending as much money, have been tucking more away. Actually, if you look at the data, almost double the number of customers have increased their balances over the year than seen them reduce. I suppose that makes sense. You know, we can't can't go abroad, we can't go to the pub, 
our savings are for some of us going to increase, aren't they? If you think about the limited opportunity people have to spend their cash, I think that's one thing. And then the other is where we're choosing to spend it. So if you take, for example, groceries, we know that proportionally the amount of money that is being spent on that in the last year versus the previous year has increased as a, as a share of, of our customers' overall wallet. Uh, so the amount of things that we are able to spend on has reduced. The things that are important and people continue to purchase, that's become a more significant part of their disposable income. I mean, I don't know what it's like for other people, but for me, I've been in a position where because of lockdown boredom, if you like, um, and because I can't go out for a meal or something like that, there's a lot more money being spent on takeaways. And also for me, the companies that are emerging, such as Klarna and Clearpay, it makes it very easy to sort of get a load of, for me, it's, you know, clothes from from companies and, and put them on these, you know, buy now, pay later mm. businesses. And it can be quite dangerous, can't it, if you don't use them to sort of budget as well? I think at any time when you're thinking about making a purchase, which has got an element of perhaps spreading that payment over multiple months, you need to be really conscious of because, as you say, those transactions can mount up. And it's easy to forget about them and, and then have that bill shock coming through, perhaps at a later point with those items uh, actually being needing to be paid for. And I think that's no different with uh, how people spend on credit cards or the temptation to drop into an overdraft. And that's where I think it's so important and where we spend a lot of our time thinking about financial capability is what are the tools you can put in place to help customers to manage that. Now, we're not in every um, checkout process of every store you could go and buy clothes in, but the things that we can do and can influence is, is to make it really, really simple and straightforward for you to then manage your money through, through us. And as you may have seen in our mobile app, as an example, we're trying to make it extremely simple and easy to use. It's amongst the most used of all of the mobile app banking apps. So on average, our customers log in more than once a day to stay in touch with their money. And we've introduced services into that in the last 12 months, like the ability to see a categorized view of your spend. So dividing it up around eating out, groceries, um, travel, and actually get some more insight on where your money's going. Because it's really hard, I think, for most people to look at a statement of, of minuses, if it's anything like my statement of transactions <laughs> against your balance. And on top of that, we've made it easier to budget. So for example, if you wanted to spend a certain amount on eating out every month, to your point earlier, it's really easy to get into that habit, particularly at the moment, then you could say, right, I'm going to spend a limit of £100 on takeaways and I'll be nudged with insights on my progress against that. We've seen actually over the last 12 months about half a million budgets being set up against those categories and about half of our overall mobile banking user base regularly using that feature because I think it gives them much more insight on where their money's going and how to manage it. So I know we've touched on this briefly, but have you seen a change then in people's spending during lockdowns? Yes, we've definitely seen a change in people's spends during lockdown. And as I say, it's it's probably in the obvious areas that we've all been suffering with. So the ability to go out and have a meal or, or to travel or enjoy any form of entertainment has been significantly reduced. And so in those sectors, like eating out and travel, that's back more than 30%. And in entertainment, it's back almost 60%. So really significant um, reductions in 
how people are, are spending their money. And that's to some extent been substituted with things like groceries, as you said, and shopping, which proportionally have increased, but they're not up at um, 2019 levels. There's been significant drop-offs in some categories. The other thing I'd say is that there's been variability on how that spending has adjusted as the different uh, restrictions for lockdown have come into play. So if you look at uh, September, as an example, we were actually in a position in September where quite a lot of restrictions have been reduced. I think we were in a position around rule of six then, non-central retail was back open. And if we looked at spending over that period, it was broadly comparable to a similar time in 2019. And then as you move into October, where restrictions again start to increase, that's when you'll see spending start to again fall away. And in those sectors particularly, but we've already referenced, which unsurprisingly, due to the fact that many of them have closed their doors, people weren't able to, to spend money there. Interesting. Looking through the stats earlier, there was a good point I came across in December in particular as well. People seem to be spending more on the motoring industry. Is that something that happens quite often because it's Christmas and you know people are wanting to get the cars ready or was that a surprise? Yeah, we, we didn't see a major uh, change in that from our spending statistics. I think you're right that that time of year tends to involve perhaps a bit more travel. And I know that there are restrictions in place, which perhaps reduce that more than people would have liked. But our stats didn't show necessarily a huge uptick in automotive spend. As I say, that the main and most obvious trends were in and around the sectors that have perhaps been most impacted by the inability for us to get out and about and socialise and meet friends and family. But you know, travel is definitely part of that, but cars specifically wasn't something that we picked up. Fair enough. Going back to overspending in terms of buy now, pay later sort of items, have you seen an increase in that this year and last year? Not something that we've specifically seen an increase in. I know I've seen statistics in the market about how those services are becoming increasingly popular and some of the challenges associated with that because it is easy to take out credit short term, but of course it needs to be paid back. And I think that the government's recently announced the intent to make that a more regulated space in the same way as it would be for you to take out a loan or a credit card, things like credit checking at the point of sale to make sure that customers that do take those services uh, have the ability to pay them back, I think is a really good step to make sure that you can't get out of control with shopping and delaying those purchases to a point in the future. With the customers who have had less money to spend going on in the banks, what can they do? So say if I was someone who worked in the hospitality sector and there wasn't money coming in and, and you were just really struggling to even spend any money or didn't even have any savings, what would the bank do in, in those situations to help those people? Well, unfortunately, Gemma, we had a lot of customers that are in those circumstances. And I'm really proud of the response that we've made to try and support them because there's a whole raft of measures that have been put into place over the last year to, to do just that. So if I think about our vulnerable customers, first of all, and there's several categories of vulnerability, perhaps I touch on people that have had an income shock, perhaps they've lost their job or they're on the furlough scheme. We put in place very quickly as the pandemic started to take hold, the ability for people to request payment holidays to give them a bit of breathing space to get back on their feet. We've also set up lines for customers to contact us if they're in 
uh, particular professions or they're of a certain age. So our older customers who perhaps would have been more reliant on our branches and telephony centres when they've been busy or closed, I would say that the majority of time we have managed to keep all those services open. We created a dedicated line for people to call us on so they could always get through uh, even if it was busy. I think about 15,000 NHS staff who are customers of ours have used that facility and about 400,000 elderly customers have also got through to us. So we put in place those types of services We've also been trying to support customers to bank any way that's convenient for them. So we've seen a significant uptake in customers using digital over the last 12 months, about 900,000 customers now using our digital services who weren't before and putting in place help and support tutorials online and, 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 and YouTube and other places to get people set up and started. And when it comes to planning their finances out a bit more broadly, so you might be in that position where unfortunately you've lost the job you haven't got the income that you expected. The financial health check services that we would ordinarily have run in, in our branches, as an example, are now available via video. So over a year ago, we were perhaps doing a couple of hundred conversations with customers via that channel. And now we're doing about 9,000 a week video interactions to conduct a financial health check. So that's a full route to branch review of your finances to help you manage those. And that could be in a scenario where actually you've been saving a bit more than usual and you want to work out what to do with it. Or the other side of the pandemic where actually you've really struggled and you need help to try and restructure them. Yeah, I was just going to say, do you also help on the other side of the coin? You know, people who do have a bit of savings, do you sort of recommend, you know, what they can do with their savings? Yeah, so the point of that process is really to try and get everything on the table. So we've got a full um, view of a customer's financial position. So what your incomings are, what your outgoings are, what product services you might hold, not necessarily with us but you know more generally and then try and work out exactly what's best for you next so yeah absolutely Gemma those types of interaction where perhaps someone has you know a savings balance which due to the interest rates at the moment perhaps isn't delivering them quite what they want then there's an opportunity for us to talk about NatWest Invest Service and perhaps how you might want to introduce some of your savings into investments and of course put the capital at risk but with a view that you might be able to develop a better return over time so yeah the intent of those types of interactions is for customers to perhaps find opportunities to optimize their money and, and as I say the reason it's called the financial health check is that it's there to surface up potential options for customers to consider and then depending on what they think is best for them they can uh, decide to get help from a colleague to take those things forward or in their own time um, outside of our, our video chats or calls. And do you guys come across people's well-being in terms of whether they're in the category where they've perhaps had an income shock in terms of you know lost the jobs and don't have that same amount of money that they were getting and then obviously they're going to be devastated by that and I'll come on to that side in a minute but also on the other side of people who do have quite a lot of savings is there a sense of them being a bit embarrassed about where they're spending the money to say like for me sometimes I do find it embarrassing and shameful in terms of what I'm spending my money on because it's like do I actually need what I've just bought or is it because I am bored because there's nothing to do and I mean I don't know if you and the team do come across stuff like that what would you think that does happen you know people are almost a bit embarrassed to talk about where their money goes what I find when we talk to customers about money there's generally two rules one is that in the main customers find it difficult to manage their money and as a result of that people choose 
not to, and perhaps to your point, try and almost brush under the carpet some of those bad habits. The second thing that's also true, however, is that pretty much all customers, regardless of income, worry about money to some extent. And I think it's that challenge which is really at the heart of what we want to try and do around financial capability. I don't know if you've seen, we've tried to make commitments in and around this, and we've said that we want to help over 2 million customers a year start to save. And I think that's by 2023, we want to see that sort of level of saving, tucking something away for a rainy day. Actually, about a quarter of adults in the country have less than £100 in savings. And so navigating those choices is really hard. And this contradiction between everyone worrying about money, but not everyone really wanting to get into it is where we're trying to do more to just make that process simpler. So I've touched on already some of the ways that we're looking to do that by providing people with a categorized view of their spend by allowing them to budget against the things that, as you say, they might feel like actually just, I don't get a fantastic amount of value from that. You know, we've spoken to customers through the course of developing these services and they might look at their eating out and and see I'm spending maybe 20, 30 pounds a week on coffee at one of the well-known coffee shops on every high street. And that decision to spend 20 or 30 pounds a week on coffee would relate to you know maybe 120 pounds a month that could have been going towards the deposit for the house they were trying to buy. And I think it's some of those choices and using the tools that exist to try and help you to navigate the things that you want to do today and also the things that you want to achieve tomorrow and the ability to make some of those choices. And I think the more you can understand money by using some of the tools that exist about where you're spending it, the better you feel about where it's going and the more in control actually then deal about the choices and decisions you can make to influence your long-term goals. So I think, you know, what you're describing there in terms of that sense of, oh, am I doing the right thing? I'm not quite sure where my money's going. Do I feel that I'm really getting, I suppose, value from how I'm spending it on a day-to-day basis? And are some of those decisions compromising my longer term life goals. I think those are things that everyone faces and you're certainly not alone in that. And I suppose in terms of your saving plan, not everyone unfortunately can save, can they? And there's, you know, families, perhaps single mums and dads who are, you know, even just struggling to get by. So I I guess the situation at the moment is to help those and to sort that situation out and then get to a point where you can eventually have a discussion about savings and almost I feel like there is a taboo around savings because whenever you mention the word savings people well I feel like you know it's automatically associated with having thousands and thousands in the bank when it might not necessarily mean that you could just be putting a fiver away a month that's still saving isn't it? Absolutely I think the old adage look after the pennies and the pounds will look after themselves is a really really good one it can be really modest and I think the thing about savings from my perspective is getting into that habit we know for example some of our customers will think about payday as almost the day in the month where there's that opportunity to really consider getting into a good savings habit so you know tucking away maybe it's a relatively small amount of money but it's just every month going via a standing order directly from your current account when pay clocks in hopefully straight into the savings account so it's almost not even missed and they're not giving them themselves the opportunity to perhaps spending it on other things so for us i think the habit element of saving is really really important and I think that, again, the tooling that we're trying to put in place, particularly around our digital services, to give customers a sense of the money that's there 
um, their progress against their goals and those little small nudges just to remind you that there are opportunities perhaps to, to make different choices through the month or at least give you a sense of where you're tracking against some of those goals and putting in place the stakes in the ground for the things that you want to achieve is really important but yeah I think that building habit and trying to build some into your finances whether it's the, the busted car tire or the broken boiler or the leaky roof even if you start small but you do it regularly those savings can rack up over time and I think that's the most important thing to get into a habit where it's happening almost without you noticing and you build that resilience. What are you expecting then Miles in terms of people's spending this year? Will we or will we not come out of lockdown soon? And if people are listening to this later on in the year, hopefully it will all be resolved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely not going to predict the end of <laughs> end of lockdown if that's what you're asking. I think it's I think it's re- really hard to, to to call, and I think it very much depends on, as you say, what happens with the easing of restrictions that we've all been under for so long. And obviously, keep our fingers crossed that we're able to to start to relax and loosen those um, the earliest opportunity. I think what we can do is we can look at perhaps what happened over the course of last year and hopefully gives us some indication on what might happen as we hopefully come out of restrictions. So to give you a sense, in the months where customers were seeing fewer restrictions and more ability to get out the house, more ability to spend money in non-essential retail, uh, the ability to go and eat out and have a meal, we were seeing spending levels uh, returning to what they looked like in 2019. I think that indicates that actually there's a lot of pent-up demand to get back out there as soon as we're allowed to do it safely. And so my expectation would be that once those restrictions start to ease, it won't be very long before we see spending return to pre-pandemic levels in some of those sectors of the economy that have obviously suffered the most through the crisis. So that's what I think will happen. Exactly when that will start to occur, we, unfortunately none of us have a crystal ball, mm. but I think that customers are clearly, as we all are, are keen to get lives back to normal again, and I suspect that will come through in, in what we see in spending analysis. I forgot to ask earlier, Miles, how has the pandemic, or has it affected you and, and the team um, in terms of working differently? Has it been a good thing or has it affected you you at all well i definitely wouldn't start with saying it's been a good thing <laughs> there's, <laughs> yes. been, there's lots of challenges um for sure to overcome and you know i speaking as a as a you know, member of natwest staff and but also just a member of uk society that you know, we've we've all we've all had various different um issues to try and overcome over the last 12 months my team actually has been working from home for about 12 months now it was the end of february beginning of march that we started to work from home and it's fortunate that as an organization because we're spread geographically across the country we're actually pretty familiar with working remotely and across multiple locations and so the running of the day job and all of the all of the digital services that we offer and moving that to video conferencing and audios versus face-to-face interactions actually been pretty smooth and that's not to say people aren't keen to get back into the office and have again a a more of a, a, a usual office working environment but in the main as a team I think we've actually come for it really really well and the thing that I love about working for that West I think has come through again in spades through the last 12 months is we are, when we really focus as an organization on what's important which is customers we can do incredible things you know, we've supported lots and lots of customers over the last 12 months we touched on some of the challenges that have existed emergency lines to support NHS and frontline workers my team have evolved in setting up a number of new web pages our coronavirus hub 
where you could get advice on how to apply for a payment holiday, but also how to deal with bereavement or caring for a vulnerable relative and a whole raft of other things that you perhaps wouldn't have expected from a bank. My colleagues in our current account team introduced a companion card, which was a great deliberation, which meant that carers could go shopping for someone who needed to remain shielded with a card and have that topped up regularly to help them to do that. As I've, I've mentioned, I think already our video banking service, I think as a team, we've just really rallied around the crisis and we've managed to make some fantastic things happen in a short period of time, despite people hanging on Zoom calls with, with toddlers around <laughs> their necks and pets barking and the shopping deliveries turning up. So yeah, we've had all the same challenges as everyone else, I'm sure, but really happy with how we've, we've managed to kind of pull together to come through for customers across a range of things. That companion car is really interesting because my dad's a support worker and he's often, you know, sometimes had problems going into supermarkets and doing other people shopping. But if we would have known about that, then that, you know, that would have solve the problem from the start you know it's really interesting that it exists i would say in general regardless of who you bank with it's definitely worth spending a bit of time um, perhaps having a look at the website or calling up or speaking to someone because there are lots of services in place that ordinarily perhaps people wouldn't realize exist so we have the ability to give people third-party mandate access it's called to potentially withdraw cash on behalf of someone i've mentioned the, the companion card but you can put in place services to try and ensure that you're there to help other people and the bank does the best job possible in a secure way to make it easy for that to happen. So yeah, regardless of who you bank with, it's definitely worthwhile checking out what services they can offer for those scenarios because particularly at the moment, there's lots of people that need them. And I think we amongst others have tried to do as much as we can to support that. Is there anything you feel like I've not asked Miles that you want to add? I think we've covered most of the territory I was was expecting, Gemma, yeah. Thank you for listening to Minds Over Money. If you would like more information on ways you can help your financial well-being, then reach out to your bank. If you are struggling financially, then your bank should be your first point of call. They are there to help. You can also reach out to mental health charities, such as Rethink Mental Illness, via their website at rethink.org. Citizens Advice also offer free advice to help you find a way forward whatever the problem. Visit their website via www.citizensadvice.org.uk or call 0800-144-8848. Thank you for listening to Minds Over Money. If you would like more information on ways you can help your financial well-being, then reach out to your bank. If you are struggling financially, then your bank should be your first point of call. They are there to help. You can also reach out to mental health charities such as Rethink Mental Illness via their website at rethink.org. Citizens Advice also offer free advice to help you find a way forward, whatever the problem. Visit their website via citizensadvice.org.uk or call 0800-144-8848. That's 0800 144 8848.